0: And welcome to Food Network Obsessed. This is the podcast where we dish on all things food with your favorite chefs, food influencers, and Food Network stars. I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and today we have part of the Food Network family with us talking about what it's really like to be the daughter of a culinary icon and the food adventures they share together on their new show. She is a journalist, a foodie, and she has a new show coming out later this year called Bobby and Sophie on the Coast. It's Sophie Flay. Sophie, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm great. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, We are so excited to have you. And of course, we're going to get to all things Flay Dynasty and and food. But um, I personally love that you are a fellow journalist. Um, You are currently working as a community reporter for ABC7 Los Angeles. What made you decide to pursue journalism as your career path? Yeah, I mean, I've always loved storytelling. I've always been really drawn to it in, you know, every industry and every
1: aspect. You know, my parents have always loved the news. I grew up with them you know watching the news constantly morning shows my dad you know was on cbs for a while he's done so many spots on today so i've always been you know watching it on tv or watching it from backstage which is such an amazing way to be able to really experience it and i've also you know always been really drawn to being able to tell someone's story i i don't take it for granted the trust that someone gives me when when they allow me to tell their story it's such an honor and the truth is really important. Everyone's truth is really important. So, um, you know, I, I, that's kind of how it started. And that's how I feel about it today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that you mentioned, you know, storytelling because that's always what I say my favorite part about my job is as well. What are some of the favorite, you know, stories you've had an opportunity to tell so far in your career?
1: One story that always uh, sticks out to me is, you know, during the pandemic, street vendors weren't allowed to be on the street. They weren't allowed to be working during, you know, the, the very height of the pandemic because, you know, we didn't know if it was safe. And there was a street vendor in East Hollywood who was not making any money, but regardless wanted to give back. And he, every week would feed a hundred people. You know, he'd, he'd roll out his cart. He'd make quesadillas. He'd make chicken tacos. He'd roll his cart and feed 100 people for free. Wow he couldn't even afford to keep his lights on half the time i mean he was just doing it because he cared and he felt like someone needed to and that was that's a story that will always stay with me
0: no that's a great story and i think for me anyways like i always preferred that kind of news reporting to maybe covering all the breaking news like i had a lot of coworkers who loved that who thrived on it but you know i think the stories like that were ones that really you know make an impact on you and hopefully others as well what what are some of your favorite subjects to cover in your role Oh, that's a great question. You know, I'm new
1: in my career. So I am just kind of learning the ropes, I feel like still. You know, I've been here for about three, almost four years now, but I like to do a little bit of everything. You know, breaking news, like you said, is it can be chaotic, but really fun. Um, you also get to be, you know, at the forefront of history often, which, mm-hmm. you know, you can't trade experiences like that. But, you know, I, I think my heart really lies in, you know, some of the feature reporting that I get to do. You get to know people on another level that you never would have expected to meet, you get to really understand the neighborhood or a story or, you know, the foundation of a restaurant that has been in a neighborhood for decades. Uh, it's being able to, 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 learn about those people and tell those stories, I think is, is my favorite part.
0: What does your day to day in that role look like? Are you, are you enterprising coming up with these story ideas? Is it, you know, the assignment desk, giving them to you a little bit of mixture of both? Like how does your, you know, day to day unfold generally? You know, I'd, I'd also love to know
1: your answer on this one too, but (laughs) for me, you know, most of the time I'm pitching all my own stories every once in a while, of course they, you know, they hand me stories that I need to go do, but, you know, wake up, Either have a story that I've already set up or, you know, have the story that they've they've given me, make sure my equipment's charged, head out, (laughs) go film everything myself. Sometimes I'm live. So sometimes I'll have a photographer helping me. But most of the time I'm filming everything myself. Wow. Head back to my apartment, edit, write the script, put it all together and send it into the station. And sometimes it's one story, sometimes it's two, kind of whatever
0: they need. Wow. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, that that takes me back to like my early my early journalism <laughs> days back in my hometown yeah. in Montana, where, you know, I was doing all that much heavier equipment back then. Uh, by right. The right. I know now I'm filming on an iPhone, which is crazy. Oh, wow. So you're doing all of these all of this work uh, on your phone. Sometimes I have like a, a Sony camera,
1: but I, I try to only use my my iPhone. I mean, the quality's great and it's a lot lighter.
0: Yeah, no, it is. It is great, and uh, no, I love that you are. You know, you're going out and you're you're finding these stories uh, on your own, and and really, you know, telling the stories that that make an impact in your community. But you've also had the opportunity to work on two different Olympics: Rio in 2016, Pyeongchang in uh, 2018. What were those experiences like for you?
1: Yeah, so that was while I was still in school. I interned for the Olympics twice, which was the most incredible experience. I've ever had. I mean, you don't sleep for literally a month straight. You're working what feels like 24-7. But again, you are, you know, sitting, you you have a front row seat to history. Mm -hmm. And I, what I love about the Olympics is that it's a time when everyone comes together. There's so much unity in that one month, month and a week, however long it is, and spirit and, you know, it doesn't matter that you're not getting sleep because you are, you have so much energy. The adrenaline is rushing through you. You're seeing these, you know, who you, you you might pass in the street that look like everyday people that are doing extraordinary things. I mean, I always say that I'm really drawn to ordinary people doing extraordinary things. That's, mm-hmm. that's, those are the stories I like to tell. And there's no better way to catch something like that or take a front row seat to that than being at the Olympics. It's, it's the best.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm envious. I've worked in sports broadcasting, you know, for most of my career and have not had the opportunity to cover an, an Olympics. So that, that is amazing that you were able to do that as an intern. Did you get to sample any of the local cultural cuisines or were you too busy, you know, interning? Unfortunately, not really. Although I will
1: say every once in a while in Pyeongchang, there would be like a break and we would eat a lot of fried chicken and beer, which I had no <laughs> idea was very common there yeah. um, and kind of like, you know, like the, the go-to bar food almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ate a lot of that. And I also, I had a lot of ube lattes. Ooh, so sweet okay. potato
0: lattes and Pyeongchang, those were great. All right. You said it yourself, you are still so early in your career. What is your dream job? Oh my God. I mean, I'd love to go back to the Olympics one day and be able to
1: tell some of these stories because like, it, the, the possibilities in storytelling there are endless, especially when it comes to these feature this, this feature reporting. So that would definitely be
0: a, a dream job for me, for sure. All right. Well, we'll keep our eye on that for you. But you are also <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> you're also a fellow podcaster. You yes. co-host Always Hungry with your dad, where you both cover everything from how to host a dinner party to the essential kitchen items and tools everyone needs. As you enter your mid 20s, how often do you find yourself looking to your dad to kind of help navigate through these various life skills? Like any life skills? Uh, Yeah. I mean, yeah, any for sure. But particularly in the kitchen. In the kitchen. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. My dad
1: always says like, because I I just I just started liking to cook like Mm -hmm. that's a that's a new thing for me. And my dad always says, like, you know, you don't call me when you have a question about food or when you're in the kitchen. Like, why is that? And I'm like, because every time I call you, you're like, oh my God, Sophie, why are you doing it like this? What are you, you're going to cut yourself. Like he's, his hand is on his forehead for 45 minutes. And I'm like, all I needed to know is how to make an artichoke. Like this, it can't, it can't be that hard. So I definitely turn to him for recipes all the time, but you know, it's like- any conversation you have with your dad, sometimes you just annoy each other.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, how did your first dinner party go? Oh my God. It was really
1: good. I I cheated a little bit and I ordered Prince Street pizza. Okay. I had fair. a dinner party for my, for my birthday. I celebrated with a bunch of my girlfriends and I invited them over and I ordered Prince Street pizza, but then I made some pesto pasta. I made my own salad. I made some broccoli, I think, random, but Things I know how to cook, things mm-hmm. that, are, that I'm, I'm comfortable with. And it went really well. I was I was very surprised. Definitely nervous.
0: Definitely overcooked because <laughs> because of how nervous I was. But it was great. No, I mean, I think as a host, like your the, your worst nightmare is running out of food, right? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> worst nightmare. Uh, I think that's actually, you know, good advice, though. You know, have something that, you know, is a sure thing. Yeah. ordering the Prince Street pizza and then, you know, have <laughs> yeah. a couple of things that you're going to add to it. So, you know, everybody and also pizza, like everybody's going to be happy with that, no matter how the other food turns out. Exactly. Like, you're good to go with the pizza. Always what, a win win. <laughs> what are some of your go to meals that you cook at home? I make a lot of pasta.
1: <laughs> I love penne alla vodka. That's something I'm very comfortable with. And if you listen to our podcast, they talk about how my favorite penne alla vodka recipe is actually from TikTok. Mm. I'm like this 19 year old kid on TikTok. He does an amazing job. I love shrimp tacos. I make shrimp tacos once a week. I love making breakfast tacos. Mm. That's another thing for me. Yeah. I think those would be my, my go to's. Uh,
0: how, how does your dad feel about you, uh, getting your, your recipe inspiration from TikTok? You know, I think he gets that that's, that's the, that's the, the future. Yeah. Yeah. Like,
1: you know, I get a lot of recipes on social media. Some, you know, Half big harvest posts something and I'm like, well, I guess I have to make that. Now it looks insane. You know, <laughs> like that's, that's how I think that's kind of how it works. Of course we have, you know, great opportunities to find recipes from food network. And I have a great resource at, you know,
0: right on my phone. I can call yeah. my dad in
1: two seconds, but social media is definitely the way in the future in terms of, I, I think of, of getting recipes.
0: Uh, you said that you just kind of started getting into cooking recently. Uh, I mean, do you feel pressure? like or this like expectation to be a great cook because of who your dad is no <laughs> good, I really don't good. <laughs> because
1: you know I think at this point too people know I'm a journalist mm-hmm. that's not that's I mean, I didn't sign up to be a, a chef I didn't sign up to be a cook um, so no I don't really feel the pressure but I definitely it's definitely something that I wish I paid attention to more when I was younger Rather than been been like oh, I don't care I don't want to cook with you I don't want to do this I don't like you know, but mm-hmm. I just I wish I paid a little closer attention.
0: Do you remember the first meal that you did cook with your dad?
1: It was either a yes, it was either lobster ravioli or a chocolate cream pie for Thanksgiving. Mm. All right. the, I I don't really remember. <laughs> the details. Yeah, that's those, fair. Were, those were what we made.
0: I mean, what what was it like, you know, growing up and, and seeing him, you know, cooking on television?
1: I, I was kind of thinking about this earlier. I always knew that he was a chef. I always knew that he was on TV, but I, like, I didn't know he was famous. That, that mm-hmm. fame didn't make sense to me when I was younger. Like, you know, my dad was a chef on TV, like just everyone else's job sort of thing, you know, like mm-hmm. I didn't, He's just that your dad. part didn't you're right. It didn't. It didn't click to me. But it was. I do remember when I was younger watching Iron Chef. When he would lose, I would get so upset. <laughs> like I was like, uh, like I, I was like, Mom, we have to call him. Like, do we? Do you think he's okay? Do you think he's sad? Like, I just felt so bad for him. Um, so that that like that started my anxiety at a very young age.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Uh, yeah. Right. I mean, do you think that you know? Obviously, you don't want to be a chef. You don't want to cook on TV. But do you think that that television aspect, you know, inspired your career path at all? Definitely. I mean, he today I still get nervous to go live, to be on camera.
1: You know, it's human nature. Mm-hmm. But I think he kind watching him for so many years kind of created this this base of comfort in a sense for it to not be so scary, to not be, you know, the end of the world if you mess up, which. I always do. Um, so I think being able to watch him do that, it seemed it's almost seemed comfortable to me being on a set for hours at a time, mm-hmm. knowing that it's not glamorous because so many people don't know that. I think it definitely gave me a uh, good insight into definitely, you know, what I do now.
0: I mean, nowadays, how often do your opinions on food align either on the podcast or just, you know, in everyday life? I think our opinions align very well when it comes to food.
1: That being said, he more or less taught me everything I know. So I'm basically (laughs) just a product of my environment. Um, Every once in a while, we disagree on things, but our opinions on Food Align almost to a t.
0: Who usually picks when you're going out
1: to dinner? I think I do. Because one, I know the spots that he likes. So I know I can win most of the time with that. (laughs) I used to get really nervous about bringing him places or wanting to go places with him because I wanted him to like it. But... I also think because part of my job is staying in the know and finding new restaurants, new stories, I get alerts about new spots all the time and I'm always looking to try new spots. So there's, you know, oftentimes if it's not a, a place that we already love, I'm like, oh, I, you know, I've heard so much about this place. Let's go check it out. And he's really, he's always down. He's really eager to to also be in the know too. So we,
0: it's, it's not, it's not hard to to pick a spot with him. I mean. Because of, you know, the nature of your job, do you feel like you actually have a better pulse uh, on, you know, the restaurant, the trendy places to go and all that stuff? Of course. Yeah, (laughs) I'm I'm way more in the (laughs) know. I love that. (laughs) Stick around because Sophie teases what we can expect to see on her new show, Bobby and Sophie on the Coast. That's up next. I'm sure that comes in handy for your guys' new show, uh, which is coming out later this year. You guys have filmed a lot together over the years, but this new one is Bobby and Sophie on the Coast, which is in the works. It's going to be premiering later this year. And in it, you and your dad, you know, take it to the West Coast, exploring, having the adventure of a lifetime. Can you tell us a little bit more about the new show?
1: Yeah. I mean, you kind of put it perfectly. We are in L.A. Uh, You know, we are at the beach, we're in the city, we're downtown, we're, we're kind of all over the place. I mean, the city is so big. Uh, there's so much to show and to take in. Uh, and we bring each other to classic spots, to new spots which, you know, is similar to the playlist that we did. Uh, we filmed in New York a few years ago. But yeah, you know, it's 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 very similar. It's old school, new school. And, you know, really getting a feel for this amazing food city.
0: Can you tease maybe some of your, a couple of your favorite experiences or places that you you visited during filming? Yeah, I mean, th- the first
1: spot that comes to mind is Broad Street Oyster Company because my dad and I both love shellfish. We love oysters. We love lobster rolls. That's one of our our mutual loves. And I learned how to shuck an oyster there. So that was very memorable to me. Nice. Especially as like a crazy oyster lover myself. Um, Let me, let me think. Where else did we go? Oh, we go to Grand Central Market in downtown, okay. which is a great food market. There's amazing food food stalls there that change every once in a while. But for the most part, a-, a lot of these places have been there for a while. So, um, you know, they've kind of gotten... They've made a name for themselves, even though it's a food stall. So it, that, that was, that was super fun too. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited for everyone to see it.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, where else would you like to travel with him? Oh, I mean, we both love London. Mm-hmm. That would be a great place to, to go.
1: I'm not really that familiar with the Chicago food scene. So that's an, another city that I would love to explore more because it does have such a great reputation as a, as a, as a food city. So that's definitely on my list. Austin mm-hmm. would love to go to Austin, Nashville.
0: Yeah they all the, the know, breakfast tacos. Yeah, exactly. The, the possibilities, luckily, are endless. Absolutely. I mean, here's the other thing, though, I think about with this show. I mean, not everyone could work so well with, you know, one of their parents. Uh, what what <laughs> What is the dynamic between the two of you like when you're working together? I'm very lucky. We have
1: such a great relationship. He's very easy to work with. I think I'm very easy to work with. <laughs> and it's fun. I mean, we, you know we're filming and it's work. Of course it's, it's long days. It's, you know, making sure we get everything right. But at the same time, it's kind of just what we do anyway. Like when we have a day off, we're just hanging out. We are going to like, it is not, you know, we go to restaurants all the time. We spend our days off really trying new places. We, you know, we might have lunch like twice on a day off because we want to try to spot, you know, it, mm-hmm. like, it's not unlike us to, to try multiple restaurants in one day even though we're not hungry anymore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How much are you, I mean, it sounds like you are part of the, you know, the, the planning, the producing process for this show a little bit in, in kind of picking some of your spots that you want to go. I mean, how, how involved are you in that production?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm so lucky. I mean, they really wanted me to show off some of my favorite restaurants in LA, some of my favorite neighborhoods in LA. And so I was able to voice my opinion, give out a long list of recommendations and we went to some of my favorite spots. So I'm, I'm really lucky Yeah, they definitely allowed me to be, uh, you know, play a bigger role than just appearing on camera and, and eating food.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's super fun. Um, And it sounds like you're going to some great spots on the show. What about, you know, spots that maybe you didn't make it to the list this particular time? Uh, I always like to ask our guests this because we have so many listeners that like to hear, you know, the recommendations um, from our podcast guests, from the experts. And it sounds like you definitely have, you know, that pulse on the on the city and on the restaurant scene where are some must stops if somebody is visiting la i love there's this restaurant in in chinatown called Sita
1: it's a filipino rotisserie and natural wine bar wow i'm loving I, you know it's been open for a few months now but i absolutely love that place i think they do a great job at. you know it's it's super fun it's in like a, a little like shopping mall it's you know you would it's easy to miss you would walk right by it but it's it's such a great place i'm also loving horses you know it's kind of french inspired liz johnson is the chef there she thinks she's doing an amazing job and has it's gotten so much traction so you will you you can find me at horses at the bar almost once or twice a week it's the
0: (laughs) it's i think they do a great job i love that you mentioned you know sometimes you guys will go to lunch twice in a day but what outside of food what do you like to do together with your dad? I mean, if we're not at
1: a restaurant, we're probably watching horse racing, whether it's <laughs> on the couch or it's literally at the track. Yeah. You know, he it's it's been a lifelong passion of his that he has gracefully passed down to me. Um, we you know, we we love it. It's it's so much fun to us. So that's that's probably what we're doing.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. And speaking of uh, sporting events or, or or competition, you have appeared on "Beat Bobby Flay" as a guest co-host as well. Uh, what what's it like to to see your dad in his element on set, and also kind of be you know part of it and and trying to take him down, so to speak? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's funny because
1: as I've grown up, you know, watching him, it's really fun to be part of it and to feel more confident being there because, you know, I've done it a few times now, not as many times as you, but I've done it a few <laughs> times. And the first time I was really nervous. Mm-hmm. And I feel like obviously with having my own career on camera now, it's, I've definitely gotten more comfortable. So that's been, that's been really fun. And the point of the show is to get him beat, but there's still part of me that's like, but
0: <laughs> you're still I hope for he's not sad.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, I hope he's not sad if he loses. I don't know. I, I can't. <laughs> I I talk I talk a big game, but I, I at the same time I still feel like that that little girl a little bit.
0: <laughs> is there anything that surprised you about the show that maybe you didn't know before appearing on it?
1: Hmm. I you know I still get surprised that he has no idea what he's making before mm-hmm. he makes it. That's the point of the show. Again, I get it, but it's. I mean, it just shows kind of how amazing he is, like. Mm-hmm. It, to be at that level to just all of a sudden enter in a food competition having no idea prior what you're gonna make is it's it's truly unbelievable.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I get that question a lot. Like, does he know? Like, is it oh, yeah. rigged? People, o- people are always like it's rigged. It's I'm like, rigged what are you talking about. <laughs> no, like, he doesn't care. No, it's really not. No, he doesn't care. He literally doesn't care. <laughs> um, I mean, what do you think makes him so good at competition cooking? Because I think, you know, it's something we've talked a lot about on this podcast. Like, there's there's good chefs. And then there's good competition chefs. And sometimes they're the same, I think, Mm -hmm. is the case, obviously, with Bobby. But what makes him so good at that competition, like, under-pressure aspect? Well, he's so competitive, (laughs) one. Like, he, it's just in his nature. Like, he doesn't have
1: to win, but he's competitive. Mm -hmm. But also, I mean, something that I think my dad has tried to teach me from a very young age is that you can't trade experience and you can't trade hard work. Like, even though he's always been competitive and even in his younger television career, the kind of at the beginning, he was still competitive. He's only gotten better, but it's because he's been doing it for 30 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that's, that's what makes him so good. It's not overnight. It's not because he's friends with the right chefs. It's because he's worked hard at it.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it, and it seems like, you know, talking to you, he's definitely passed on, you know, that work ethic to you as you are, you know, just getting started in your career. But you can definitely well, see that's,
1: that. That's because when I graduated and I didn't have a job, he, I was like, well, I guess I have to move back in while I interview places. And he was like, what are you talking about? Go get an apartment and get a job. And I was like, I don't have any money. I don't have anywhere to live. And he was like, that's not my problem. We just sent you to school. Go, Go get it. Um, so that's kind of his, you know, that's, that's his mentality when it comes to work and work
0: ethic. I love that. I I had the same thing with my mom too. It was like, all right, good luck. I, I I paid for school. Now it's on you. (laughs) (laughs) Right. No, I think that's good. It's a, it's a, it's a good, uh, way to set you up for success for sure. Definitely. This has been so much fun chatting and, um, getting to know you better hearing about the new show. We're going to finish things off with a little rapid fire round. And then we have one final question for you here on food network. Obsessed. All right. Rapid fire round East or West coast. West Coast. TV or podcasting? <gasps> oh, that's so hard. but <laughs> I'm going to go with TV. Stella or nacho? <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> oh, my God. You don't have to answer. Oh, <laughs> nacho. Oh my, I feel awful. I mean, the first one, you know, first. Try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, favorite cocktail or mocktail?
1: Um, mezcal, margarita. Mm,
0: yum. Uh, favorite kitchen tool?
1: My garlic press. What
0: what would be in your perfect picnic basket?
1: Chicken salad sandwich. Okay,
0: like that. Food network star you love besides your dad. Oh god.
1: Another another really tough one. I mean, oh my god. <laughs> we don't want to
0: get we don't want to get you in trouble, but <laughs> Michael Simon, Alex Sonny. I mean the list goes on. Yeah, no, they're all great. If you could open a restaurant, what would you serve? This is not a rapper answer
1: but when i was younger i told my dad that i would open a shellfish like bar called x and i would only serve like exotic (laughs) seafood and shellfish (laughs) that i probably wouldn't do today but if i could open anything it would be like a mezcal bar
0: okay i love that favorite meal or dish that your dad makes shrimp pasta Um, All right. So our final question, this is not rapid fire. You can take as long as you want on this one. And we ask everybody this question. Everybody obviously has completely different answers. So what would be on the menu for your perfect food day? So we want to hear what you're eating for breakfast, lunch, dinner, Mm -hmm. dessert. There are no rules. You can travel, time travel, spend absurd amounts of money. Anybody can cook this for you. Uh, It's your day. So we want to hear about it. Okay. Love this question.
1: Eggs Benedict is my Mm -hmm. breakfast. It's my, oh my God, it's my one of my favorite dishes of all time. Same. Lunch is so hard. Lunch would be... I would love a lunch at Lure Fish Bar. Mm.
0: What would you eat there? Everything. All, yeah. <laughs> all of the fish.
1: All the things. Yeah. <laughs> Dinner, lobster ravioli is my favorite, like my absolute favorite. But I'd also have to make a pit stop at Buffalo Wild Wings and okay. eat like 30, 30 wings mild flats only. Okay. Like that's Love it. I don't know why, but that's <laughs> one of my things. Um, dessert, pistachio gelato, which would also be my dad's answer, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think All right. that's an oh, if I were to and then like a, a mezcal margarita or like a really great bottle of bottle or glass. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can have a bottle it's your what? it's your day it's your perfect of, day <laughs> of orange wine yeah I love orange wine same i love that no that's a perfect day and again so lovely chatting with you cannot wait for the brand new show we look forward uh to that dropping later this year thank you so much we, can i ask you one
1: question yeah for sure what's the hatred behind bell peppers
0: <laughs> um that is a great question I don't know. I just, you know, I, do you have like one of those things that you just like absolutely won't eat? Like it just like repulses you? That, like No, I, yeah. I have one of those aversions, but I, I think I have before, but not currently. Yeah, that for me, it's bell peppers. It's always been, like the smell, the taste. I, I would say the texture, but I like all other kind of peppers. And in fact, it's a funny story. The first time I we went to gatto And your dad was like, let me make you something. I was like, okay. And he brought out like the soft scrambled eggs with like the romesco sauce. And I was like, does this sauce have bell peppers in it? And he's like, Yeah, it does. And I was like, that's literally, and he knew he just forgot. (laughs) But it's just like, we like to joke about that now because literally, like the first time I went to one of his restaurants to eat, he served me like the one thing I will not eat. Yeah. Right. Perfect. I know. It's okay. I'm
1: allergic to avocado, and he always forgets it and then (laughs) makes like guacamole. And I'm like, okay, so
0: can't eat this. Can't eat this. Yeah. So that's my thing. That's my kryptonite. But, Mm. you know, good question. (laughs) I like (laughs) like that the journalist ended with the question. (laughs) I saw that and I was like, what is that? Interesting. (laughs) Well, thank you so much again. Uh, Again, lovely chatting with you and all the best in your career to come. Thanks, Jamie. Love that she turned the tables on me there right at the end. Guys, it's a very important topic that we need to talk more about. Um, be sure to catch Bobby and Sophie on the Coast premiering later this year. Can't wait to see that. As always, thanks so much for listening and make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. And if you enjoy today's episode, please rate and review. We love it when you do that. That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday.